Hello, 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 everybody. Kim, your local rabbi and minister from Sacred Elohim Limelight Pro Ministries. Well, I got my first outlines done. Uh, we'll be going this week, uh, week by week, maybe day by day. It all depends. Uh, we'll be talking about dangerous prayers. It's written by uh, Craig Grossman. Really good book. But right now, I want to welcome all my U.S. participants from Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Washington, Tennessee, uh, Texas, California, Georgia, Mississippi, Illinois. I picked up Oregon, New York. Welcome, welcome. Colorado, Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, North Carolina, Alabama. Welcome. And Arizona. And then I picked up a couple more countries. Ireland, Canada, UK, Russia, Fear Islands, New Zealand. First time. And Germany. Welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to a night of study and a night of sermons. Uh, I also w welcome my followers in Israel. I am right now at 1.5 million followers. Um, here in the States, I'm carrying about close to 60 million. Uh, I carry another 60 million out of most of the other Asian countries. I'm tantalizing the Arab communities. They don't like me very well, but I do have pull there. Um, Russia's a surprise. Um, Somebody likes me there. Uh, New Zealand was a surprise getting back on. I didn't expect it. Uh, Alabama and Georgia was a surprise. Um, California, I now have 4% of the total people there. But my top one's Ohio and Pennsylvania, and I'm very happy about that. So welcome to a podcast tonight of Dangerous Prayers. Um, we're just going to go over an overview. Dangerous prayers, uh, because following Jesus was never meant to be safe. Think about that. Um, the author is Craig Groschel. Um, the book's name is Dangerous Prayers. The introduction, why your prayers need to be dangerous. This is his statement. The question he asks, do you believe God still does miracles? Hmm, yes or no. Are your prayers lame? Most of us just want to get done quickly with the prayers. No one has ever experienced a three or four hour prayer session. Um, I do that on a daily basis. Like tomorrow afternoon, I will be gone for about two or three hours doing a prayer session. Because I do intercessory prayer. That is what I do. That is what I am. That is what I'm about as a prophetic intercessor and a prophet. Um, do you think your prayers are pathetic? Good question. Um, some of the prayers that were used that were not pathetic, actually, is in 1 Samuel 1, 27. It was a prayer by a woman for a conception of a child. Uh, Matthew 6, 11, the escaping of enemies. And Psalms 59, 1 and 2 was just a gentle prayer asking for the Lord for forgiveness or helping other people. D, are your prayers dull? The Lord doesn't like dull prayers. Some of them is like if you go, dear God in heaven, I pray that you heal me. And then all of a sudden you've got other things like, oh, i got to worry about the bill or this or that or the other. That's what the plus four is in that. I didn't want to write his whole statements. The main focus of a prayer is to be a power prayer. 
and a person who loves God. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, head, you're the head, not the tail. A lot of power prayers contain verses of scripture. Um, John 3.16, it says, the Lord, that you love the world. Mm. Remember, God hates showy prayers, so don't ever do show off. He doesn't like you showing off. Uh, Matthew 6, 5 says, They are answered because they are simple, sweet prayers, and they're authentic and they're heartfelt. So make sure when you do a power prayer or a dangerous prayer for intercessory or just general everyday life that that prayer is a heartfelt meaning prayer. He won't answer just a blah on the floor. Pardon my language, but that's what it is, is a blah. Um... Jesus never asked for anything. He always called us to faith and not a life of comfort. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, we see, yet you will be done, not mine. That is the part of the Lord's prayer. When we pray our first prayers, we want him to first search us, search our heart. To see what's in our hearts so it can be removed so we can have a better prayer. But when we do this, we want to ask, Lord, what do you want? Not what we want. Uh, then we ask him to break us. And then send me for that prayer. He calls to us to leave everything and follow him. We see this in Math Mark 10.21. He says, one thing you lack, he said to this young gentleman, Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will end up with treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. You must live dangerously in prayer and faith. That is what he taught. So that is just the introduction of, to, of a really good book. Um, and I mean it's a really good book. Um, that's just to give you a taste of nuance of what the book covers um there is several sections in the book um and i just did the introduction tonight to give you some background you got part one we'll be discussing searching me what is a search me matter of fact i think i'll start at 1.1 1 .1 on 23 craig goes on to say that let's see i gotta get to 1.1 1 .1 here real quick Search me. Search me, God, for you know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offenses way in me and lay me in the way of everlasting. And that's Psalms 139, 23, and 24. So the question he poses, he says, one of the first breakthroughs through a prayer life that he learned was during his mother's surgery. And the story goes on to talk about this clergyman coming in and reading the little black books. Um, and he's reading it. And she picked a Protestant prayer. Well, this, method, this Methodist church leader decided to do the prayer. And he was reading it vadim for vadim from the book. Um, and his mother interrupted him during this surgery. And 
she wanted the guy to grasp the full concept of a prayer. His mother was a very praying woman. She was an intercessor. She was uh, very done heartfelt prayers. And it says here, before he could finish, my mother interrupted him. And you'd have to know my mom to fully grasp the impact of her interruption. She was nice. She would give you a your la give her last dollar, walk across town to help you out, and write you a three-page thank you note for a gift you send her. Um, he goes on to say, but she she's absolutely a kind as they come. But she also knew for being a bit ordinary. Not only does she enjoy having fun, she rarely had a menacing word. If she thinks it, she will say it without holding back. Now, this is a woman of prayer. While the chaplain was still reading from his prescript of the Methodist prayer, my mother interrupted loud enough to be heard all the way from the nurse's station. She playfully called out, Will somebody please find me a chaplain who knows how to pray his own prayers? Interesting that she would say that. At first, we all tried not to laugh, but it was impossible to hold back. Even the chaplain, poor guy, had a grin. <laughs> Everybody in my family still chuckles when they read this story about my mother's ass assessment of the man's prayer. But mom had a good point. Prayers from the heart is a personal and unmistakable. They are certainly nothing wrong with reading a prayer or using someone else's words to pray. In fact, reading prayers can be a good starting point to learn your own prayers. And it goes on to say that we have to develop our own prayers in faith. Sometimes we grunt to the Father and other times we just go with it. And then he quotes Psalms. This is, uh, it goes on. It says, Lord, will you not forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must you wrestle with the thoughts and the day after day, having sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? This was a prayer that David did, uh, King David. And he stresses how true that this prayer is the story he gives about his mother is hilarious i had an experience one time with a pastor reading from one of the little prayer manuals and they are right the prayer manuals can be a little intrusive i'm one that prays from the heart and this book has really helped me and i'm hopefully helping by breaking it down that it helps us so right now we're working on search me search yourself and see what you need from the father let him search your heart and then you pray those prayers according to the heart discern them so we've seen a little snippet in this guy's life um and what it's all about um i found it really interesting during david's sermon he talked about prayer being very important um he read something on cornelius and uh simon peter and <laughs> a vision and simon peter saying he doesn't eat unclean things but that's not what the vision was about it was about cornelius and answered 
prayers. And then he talked about some other things which I had discussed earlier. Prayer is very important. I always sing my prayers. I know I'm disturbing them, but it's what the Lord puts on my heart to speak. And I'll speak it. Sometimes I have no control of what the Lord does, and I'm not going to control him. But it's my relationship with the Lord that matters. Um, I have a very deep prayer life right now. I've always prayed, but not as deep as I have the last few months. Um, my heart is not only for the Jewish nation, but our nation, my home. Um, not saying that Israel's not my home either. It is part of me. But America's part of me as well. And I'm seeing things taking place that shouldn't take place. And there's a big burden. What happens over in Israel happens here. And what happens here happens over in Israel. We're tied. I'm seeing things fulfilling themselves. And it's not scary. I mean, and I anticipate things. We don't know where we're at. Ooh, pardon me. At on the prophetic time clock. But we're in that time period. The figs are ready to fall. And prayer is going to be more crucial than ever. Right now. Here in the States. Especially. I've probably seen more revivals in the last month. In California. Uh, there's another one that's going on in Florida right now. Georgia has had hinklings of it. But the little town I'm in needs it. And we haven't had it yet. I don't think reality has struck them yet, per se. But I look for it, too. It sure struck me. And I'm never going to be the same. I don't want to be the same. Um, these times I spent intimately online and you hear me talking is my times with friends. Um, and I consider my viewers friends and my listeners as friends. Um, uh, we'll talk more about that. Um, we'll take a five-minute breaker, and I'll be right back. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to a night of discussing dangerous prayers. So now we're going to go into chapter 1.2, Truth or Dare. So this gentleman, Craig... Uh, discusses a sacred communication of prayer, the language of long and divine dialogue between you and the Father and your Abba or your Daddy. We call him Daddy when we pray. He's a universal listener. 
the Father. Um, your prayer matters. How you pray matters. What you pray matters. Your prayers move our Father. So we see in Hebrews 4.16, we are told, we do not have to approach timidly or feel awkwardly, but we're supposed to pro approach with boldness and grace towards the throne. And he goes on to say, we can come before him with confidence, assurance, and boldness is basically what it is. And then he goes on to quote, we receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need, need it the most. Uh, do you need grace in your relationship with people? He asks, do you need mercy for all the secret things you struggle with? Do you need help to get through the day? Uh, and then he says, I do in a big way every day and in every way. And he basically goes down through here. We got to make prayers our own passion. Um, in our own words for communicating. Even the fuzzy moments and the down moments were to have prayer and were to have courage when we approach the Father. He goes on explaining more about God's promises in prayer. Then he talks about John 16.33 where Jesus warned those who faithfully serve him that they would be persecuted just like him. And in John 15.20 he alerted of the upcoming changes in, in the spiritual realm and on earth. And the opposition and the pains and trials. He touches it a lot on that. And then it goes into the vulnerable, a, a vulnerability of dangerous prayers to tell you the truth, love your enemy, and pray for those that persecute you. That was math, Matthew 5 4. So we're to love even those we despise. And it goes on to say prayers must be heartfelt, soulful, and mindful of the Father. So we go into the next one, which is 1.3, which is the state of your heart. Um, basically, what he's telling here is we can't be jealous. We, have, we must love our enemies right and left, and we cannot be jealous of them like King Saul. Uh, David repeatedly attempted to take his life and remove, uh, but yet he didn't. He was a calm man. Um with our hearts were to be want to be more like david yet sometimes we can be revengeful um he goes on to say david asked search me god you know my heart test me and you know my anxiety anxiety anxious thoughts so in this psalms 139 23 and 24 he goes on to talk about the offenses and ever uh, of the everlasting and and leading David Lee being led by God into everlasting peace. Um, there's many challenges we have to face with prayers if we've never done prayer before. Um, but we have to be forward in our prayers and potential convictions if we have to correct these prayers. Uh, we must redirect our life and do what we need to do with our heart once God searches our heart. Uh, this is tricky. He goes on to say, he says, I know your motivations. This was a prayer. I know your motivations. I know what most important. I know why I do and I, what I do. Besides, you might tell yourself, I've got a good heart, 
I'm not trying to hurt people. I want to do what's right. My heart is good. I pray. Aren't I? These are questions that people ask. But if you ask God to search you, he's going to search for those little things that irk him. Uh, he goes on to say that God actually reveals the exact opposite. It might be shocking when you hear it for the first time. Jeremiah tells us some straight truth. Jeremiah was a son of a Levitical priest born in 650 BCE. He goes on that he was trying to convict Josiah. Uh, God raised up a young prophet to take God's word to Israel and the nation Jeremiah flat out said, says, along with me and everyone else, don't have a good heart. In fact, not only is your heart not good, your heart is wicked and full of sin in all it always has. The prophet was pretending to human nature. Um, he goes on to say, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And that was in Jeremiah 17, 9. Um, it is easy to pretend you have a good heart. But in fact, the Bible tells you you don't. Um, but Christ wasn't a temporary fix. He's a permanent fix if we accept it. And then God wants us. Um, you might think, not, no, not me. My heart is good. But please remember, without Christ, it's not. Is the quote he states. But he, he goes on to talking about the heart. And having God search our hearts. Um, it's not often what we think. Um, sometimes we might not feel that we. Don't have much to eat. And I promise a couple bites. And we eat more. He's, he's using that analogy. Um. But basically, the most common sense of our nature is that our heart isn't right. And that we've got to get a straight heart before the Lord does anything. And he talks about letting God search our hearts through Christ, which was very interesting. A man, after all, own, cannot own its heart. his heart. God owns it. And we have to have the capacity to ask him to search our hearts. So now we're going to go to chapter 1.4. And he goes in hard choices once our hearts are searched. There's a four square battle plan, he says. Uh, not to mention the Bible mentions it. Even considering Armageddon. When God talks about Armageddon. Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good um, is a prayer that they use constantly for searching the heart. But it's only temporary, he says. He goes on talking about his teenage experience with him, with God searching him. Um, he finally learned later that his prayers weren't always what they thought. Um... You have to reflect on yourself, mainly, is what he's talking about here. And God's searching you every day in the Christian walk. He'll search out pride, uh, self-nature, and critical spiritism. Um, spiritualism. In other words, a critical spirit. Um, and reshape that critical spirit in us. 
humans always have pride, according to what he's saying here. He says, I lied, cheat, and stole, and what did I want, no matter who it hurt. Unfortunately, the moment of truth of God didn't change me instantly, but it did help me recognize my spiritual needs. Because um, his mother prayed for him, and then he prayed for God to search his soul. Another good point, revealing our fears. Uh, when we have God search our soul, sometimes it reveals deep hidden fears, um, anxiety, and worry. He goes here from Psalms 139. He, he, he basically talks here. Because after asking God to search his heart, David prayed, Know my anxiety levels. <laughs> he analyzes on fear. And he goes on talking about the fear. He says, years ago, I had a revelation about the subject that touched me very personal way. God showed me that, that what I fear the most reveals where I trust God the least. Interesting. After the birth of our third daughter, Anna, Amy started having physical challenges at first. We thought it was just fatigue, but when half her body went numb... We feared it was something much worse. Doctors, after all, couldn't provide answers. As her symptoms continued to worsen, my trust in God started to weaken. Uh, and he was asking questions about his wife and continuing leading the church and so forth and so on. He goes on to talk about the fears consumed him, thinking about them gripping his future, how he's going to pay the bills, this revealed that you may not trust God to be your provider. If you are paralyzed about worry, then go to God in prayer for trust. He goes on to say he was terrified. He felt inadequate. He was a baseball player um, with three kids. He worried about Mandy's health after her mother's death, the mental um, and he quotes a scripture from Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine. We were never enough; we're always weak. But here, the incredible thing: we we're, we're weak, and God is a perfect power that gives us strength. And that's the secret of ultimate prayers: is the power of strength of God. And then he goes on to talk about faith can waver, but if we pray to God then gives us that strength. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or being timid, but the power of love and self-discipline. And that was 2 Timothy 1, 7. He talks about the devil uses fear as a way to spike us. Um, he wants to hit us where our faith counts. He wants to destroy it so we will fail. Uh, your prayer... He revealed was what keeping fully emotion um, soaked in his extravagant grace. He's talking about God. Perfect love drives out fear. And that was John, 1 John 4, 8. As God reveals your fears, he will also build your faith. Interesting. We need his power and his presence to do so. And it goes on, we must trust in the Lord. 
And that was where my experience came in, was learning to trust. I had a very hard time trusting Father God to guide me. And he made it perfectly clear he wanted my trust. He asked me if I trusted him. Which is, oh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, odd for me to have not being able to see something, but it yet communicate to me in a way that I had never experienced before. In my younger years, I had trusted him. And I got away from trusting. I just pushed everything aside and followed my own will, which angered him. Um, and it wasn't right for me to do. And I know that now it wasn't right for me to do. Um, but I did it anyway. I rebelled. And in rebellion, I got a good swift kick in the butt, you might say. Um, but that is where I come in from experience and my testimony. A lot of my issues came about because of health issues, as I said. I pushed back God, pushed back my way of thinking in life, and hurt others. In the process, hurt myself. And it took me a very long time to recover from that episode. And I'm talking from experience. Um, it's hard uh, to think that uh, there is what there is. And still, he forgive me. But... He forgave me and my life has never been the same since I have a much closer relationship it's a relationship well worth the effort and I wouldn't change it for the world the last year has been a very eye-opening experience the communication level that he communicates it's not always hearing him speak but fill in it the love and i know it's there and it's tremendous <laughs> i'm feeling it right now in, in a way that very few get to experience um when he wants to say something or let me know he's here i usually take his little nuance in the middle of my head and then he'll hit me in the heart where he'll, I'll feel an overflow of water or fire. <laughs> it's very relaxing when I know I'm doing something right. But I will stop here and take a break with the recording. And I'm. Alrighty, everybody, we are back, 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 back. It feels so good. So we are now in uncovering our sin. Interesting. So let's see what Greg had to say. Or Craig. He talks about David. Hasn't seemed dangerous enough already. <laughs> 
he goes on to say with a gentle warning that David was a man after God's own heart. What's that mean? He was devoted to God. 1 Samuel 13, 14 and Acts 13, 22 talks about it. He says, he was devoted to God, willing and worshipped passionately, gave extravagantly and led courageously. Yet he still made mistakes, big ones. Like you and like me, he was tempted to sin and didn't always make the right choices, even after he knew the goodness of God and had walked with him for most of his life. David David still blew it. And that's why he prayed the dangerous portions potion of the prayer. <clears throat> Search me, God. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offenses, offensive way in me. And that was Psalms again, 139, 23 through 24. Show me if I'm doing anything that offends or hurts your heart. Hearing God's response to this portion of this prayer can <laughs> can be challenging. It's not easy to face our wrongs. And Jesus explains this in Matthew 7, 1. He warns us, I know I can point out your faults, but have a perfect good explanation for to as why I do ever, anything that you might consider inappropriate. I'm good at doing what Jesus warns against. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he goes on, he said, to point out that Jesus explicitly explained that we do wrong and he's going to point it out, basically. Him and God, anyway. And he'll recognize the problem and you will have to face that problem. Maybe some people have struggled with this. Um, he had two trusted friends that had that problem. He goes on to say, what I am doing is important. Is it good to be a pastor? I've always been available to people. I am leading a church and my opinion is important. My social standings and so forth and so on. He, he it goes down the list of what pastors think. Um, he says there is a problem. Not everything God... God shows you is perfect. Uh, my son, his son likes sorcery games, and God answered my prayer. In response, the game broke. <laughs> he says, God showed me clearly I was settling for a counterfeit reality and missed out on the most important thing, his son. And the precious moments he needed. In Proverbs 12, 1, it says, The ways of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Maybe it is time to pause and listen to God and his advice. Uh, God may speak to you through those who love you most. Who? Uh, consider all the signals that God gives. Don't try to rationalize them or scare them away, but always be vigilant. He goes on to talk about 
he drove to a sermon and was listening to somebody from the straits of hell. Um, and he drived on this road, but yet he hated it. The guy is Pastor Craig. Less than 24 hours after I had ran and raved about the driving, the guy said something from the Lord in an offensive way. Uh, he basically talks about it. And he quotes, The words of their mouth are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely and do good. That's Psalms 36, 2 and 3. Then he gives some pointers. There's nothing wrong with looking at porn. Everybody does it besides. I couldn't be doing much worse. I'm hurt. These are things people think in the pointers. Uh, your temper is a problem. But yet you slough it off. Uh, your drinking is a problem, but yet you try to make excuses. Gossiping too much, and still there's an excuse. Gambling is not a problem for me. Uh, it's just entertainment. I'm too selfish. More excuses. King David realized all these things and rationalized them, but yet he had to face them with Bathsheba. Uh, I deserve some downtime. I fought and won many battles. Now I need to be disconnected. Uh, wow. And that's described. Azariah covered it, uh, was covered up from the death. And that was in Samuel, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Wow. Check out. Who's that girl? Blah, blah, blah. He's talking about things we think. We have to watch what we think and say. Um, you can continue rationalizing. Oh, she's lonely. Her husband's blah, 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 whatever. When you c committed adultery, that was some of the things he rationalized. Uh, basically, I'm short for it. Basically, David was trying to make excuses for the thing he did, and he knew it was wrong. Uh, he continues covering on David and the rationale, rationalizing. But in the end... The question is, a lot of people pose, they don't want to hear their daughters this, daughter to hear this. I would never want her to say this. They make placement excuses. Um, finally, he leads up to lead me, um, which is 1.7. After you pray the first dangerous prayer, search me. My God, reveal my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive ways in me and lead me in the ways of everlasting. This phrase means you're going to be led to the everlasting peace of God. Um, but you have to let God lead you in trust. Um, and he goes on talking about leading. He says, number one, search my heart, God. God, show me my hypocrisy. Uh, your anxious thoughts, and he talks about that, then the offensive way, and then lead me, is what it basically means. Lead me, pray it, search me. Know the anxiety of the thoughts of a person, and God will reveal all. Um, your deepest needs come from the gifts that God gives you, but yet you need to have, be searched by God for these reasonings. God shows you the truth, and the truth will set you free, he says. He goes on, we have to be obedient in our prayers. Don't do sterile prayers. Don't be low passionate. You are hungry for more and ready to obey. Uh, are you ready? Search me, Lord. And that ends section one.
we will talk about section two here in a few minutes. We'll take a 15 minute uh, break and I'll be right, uh, five minute break and I'll be right back in our eight minutes. Alrighty, everybody. So I'm back. Um, we went over section one and the introduction. So I'm um, going to read next week's look, which is section two, or part two, which is Break Me. Uh, we'll be going over Break Me, Burst My Bubble, Status Quo, Broken and Released, Broken Bread, Jack in the Box. Breaking Bad, Bound by Brokenness, Blessed by Brokenness. Um, <laughs> um, and then we'll also do Chapter 3, which is Send Me, When God Calls, Answer, Glory to God, A Sin, Sinner Saved by Grace, Daily Nourishment, A Single Act of Faith, You Will Be Done. Now what's the question and conclusion Disturb me, O Lord. So we go into the final question and answer, and then they will be a prayer of dangerous prayers today, he will explain, and then the acknowledgement for next week. Um, this book's very short, and he gives a big area of dangerous prayers for unity. Uh, Prayers of praise, prayers of worship, lifting, and so forth. Uh, he has a lot of point discussions, but mainly he's just going over what starts the process. Uh, three is two and three is the largest section, so we will definitely be going over those next week. Um, I'm just going to take you to the back of the book. I'll read one of the um, prayers. So you got prayers today, fully dangerous. He's talking about that. Uh, the search me prayer, which is in Psalms. And it goes like this. Psalms 139 opens an honest prayer before God about how nothing is hidden from him. And open your heart and pray it. As your own. Uh, we'll start with getting started with prayers. Jesus taught the disciples to pray by proving to them with an example a passage of a widely known scripture called the Lord's Prayer. You can pray this exactly word for word or verse for verse. Meditate on them. Memorize them. And you'll probably recognize how much this prayer of this prayer already it says this. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, as we forgive given our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that is Matthew 6, 9-13. Um... Now, I'm going to do this prayer because I think it's very important. It goes on. He, It's David saying, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You discern my goings out and my lyings down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for my attain. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense in me, and lead me in the ways of everlasting. And it's Psalms 139, 1-6, and 23-24. through 24. Then we got Psalms 13, which David screams, search me again. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, thoughts and day after day with sorrows in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look on me and answer Lord, my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfaithful love, your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And that's Psalms 13. Now, I like, listen, this is my favorite, the breaking prayer. It says, when Jesus was given thanks, he broke bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, the last supper. And then the night before Jesus was resting, he said, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Yet I will, yet not my will, but your will be done. Then here is a prayer of sending, and this is out of Isaiah. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So a simple prayer is when it comes time for the little, for you to answer the Lord's call, say, Send me. That's a prayer. Another one is a prayer from Esther. It says, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa. And fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go and te- go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Um, which is interesting. Here's confession prayers. Um... Which is talking about transgression, then Psalms, the life of um, unbearable is another one. These are dangerous prayers. It was actually prayed in the Bible. Prayers for healing, prayers of praise, prayer of unity. I like this. The purpose of this prayer is for unity. Did you know that Jesus prayed for us in John 17? Recorded the prayers inclusive. All who will believe in me, it's a prayer of unity of spirit and purpose. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me, though through their message, that all of them will be one. Father, just as I am in me, you are in me, I am in you, and may they also be in us, so the world may believe 
that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so they may be bought, brought to com complete unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. And it was John seventeen twenty through 23 which is a prayer of unity, which is a very rare occasion you've seen Jesus actually pray. Um, a unity prayer. It's the only one I've seen in the Bible so far. Um, then prayers of blessings. Uh, prayers for salvation and help. Prayers for boldness. Prayers for guidance. Um, and then acknowledgement. He talks about different books he's written. Um, seven decisions of flight. Uh, the Christian Atheist, that ought to be a good one. I, I'm looking forward to that. Detoxing the Soul, books and DVDs, and hundreds of millions of items. But this book goes into describing dangerous prayers and what you're supposed to do with these dangerous prayers, which is very interesting. We'll complete the other half next week. So I'm going to end this session here. And that's our devotion for... Monday. Uh, there will be one tomorrow, which I will be doing discerning the voice of God and how he communicates. And believe me, it's very eye-opening. <laughs> um, my life has been never been the same. Um, but I'm going to end it here. We had our prayers for this evening, but I'm going to ask you to pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for America. And pray for Jerusalem, the Jewish people. That's on my heart. Because they are of me. They are of my lineage of Abraham. But also my Christian brothers are grafted in as part of Abraham. So I pray for that as well. And I'll keep you in my prayers if you keep me in your prayers. So we eventually will be adding prayers to our sessions. So... Just be ready for it. I'm not going to do it tonight because I need to do some devotional time to myself. But it's important. Um, we should think about Israel because they are the prophetic time clock. My people are the prophetic time clock. I am a prophetic time clock. <laughs> what I mean by that is my salvation. For, G for God is my salvation. Elohim is my salvation. Yahuwah is my salvation. He's my father. And he sent his son, Yehoshua, down here to die for me. Die for you. Die for the world. Blessed are those that do not see, but yet believe and trust in faith. That's important. Very important. So I'm going to end it here and I'm going to say adieu. And God bless you. My brothers and sisters, and I hope I had the same blessings in return.